Hello, people of the way, blessings in Jesus. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. Now, we say the way because the early church weren't called Christians. They were called the way, a people of the way. Now, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And many in the faith celebrate Easter Sunday and Good Friday, but the timing is a little bit off. Now, when we look at the scriptures, open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have to remember what his word teaches. In Matthew 12, verse 39, says, But he answered and said to them, Now, this is Jesus Christ speaking. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Now, that's a little bit sharp, uh, but seemingly sharp, because understand that, you know, when... when uh, When a soul is confronted with truth, you know, a choice has to be made. You know, it's a generation or a person or a people or a soul that says, well, I'm going to live in darkness uh, until I see a sign. And then when I see a sign, then I'll believe. But with that, the choice is already made. It's to love darkness more than the light. You see, and when Jesus Christ is speaking, he says an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He says this, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. You see, it's like, well, wait a second. I want a sign right now. I want a sign. I'm not going to believe until I see a sign. But what about when we go old school? What about the signs that have already happened? When Jesus says no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He says in verse 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, remember that Jesus speaks of a resurrection now because he he points to an event which takes place in the future. So he says the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But then at the same time, now he points to a future event. He says in verse 41, The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation. Generation here, Jenea in the Greek. Jenea in the Greek, which is a kin of a certain kind or and or within a certain time frame. And Jesus Christ says the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Which begs the question, why Why is it that the men of Nineveh will rise? We see right here. Because they repented. You see, that's what's so beautiful about repentance. You know, when a soul believes in Jesus Christ, there is the repentance. Remember when Peter in Acts chapter 2 and Peter, uh, you know, when, when, you know, the, the tongues of fire and, you know, all of a sudden people think like, oh my goodness, these people, they're drunk. And Peter stands and says, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And then he speaks. He gives truth. He gives the good news. And the people were cut to the heart. And they say to Peter, what do we do? What do we do? And then Peter says, you must repent and be born again. You see, it's, that's the beauty of repentance. 
And that's what happened with Nineveh, the men of Nineveh. They repented. And as a result of their repentance and being right with the Lord, Jesus says in verse 41 that they're going to rise. You see? And they repented at the preaching of Jonah, he says. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus was speaking of himself. I mean, if that's the case with Jonah, how amplified is the news when it comes from the Son of God? You see? And so sometimes, you know, I have these conversations with people and they're kind of like taken aback. Like, you're telling me that Good Friday is wrong? Come on. It's Easter Sunday. We have Good Friday. I've been doing it like this. I've been doing it like this my whole life. The preacher guy says this. The pastor says this. The priest says this. The preacher guy, he comes into town and says this, that we have our Good Friday and then we celebrate Easter. And, you know, and you're telling me it's otherwise? Well, let's take Sunday morning as Resurrection Sunday. And the tomb is empty because he is indeed risen. But let's backtrack three days and three nights. Remember, it's you and me that has to align with the truth of God's holy word. Because in Matthew 12, what we just read in Matthew 12, verse 40, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, you know, knowing that, because you and me, we align ourselves to the truth of Scripture. I know the preacher guy might say this. I know the preacher guy might say that. I know the religious institution might say this. They might say that. That's nice. We align ourselves to the truth of Scripture. So we backtrack three days, three nights. Remember the traditional Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ only allows two nights. Because if we take Resurrection Sunday, you figure, okay, Friday night, Saturday night, now Resurrection Sunday. Well, wait a second. Where's the third night? Because the Bible says three days and three nights. There's no third night. What does that say about Good Friday? It doesn't fit Scripture. But Thursday does fit. Now, this isn't like a big theological battle over, you know, like, you know, oh, it's Friday, it's Thursday, and, you know, and we're going to have this big theological debate. But it's important. Because, you know, sometimes when I have these conversations with people, it's like, well, wait a second, you know, well, we have to analyze the calendars, you know, the Julian calendar, the liturgical calendar, Gregorian, Hebrew, all these different things. It's like, okay, hold on. Let's just let the Word of God be the Word of God, okay? Let's let the word of God be the word of God. Remember, the word became flesh. Let's look at the truth of scripture. Turn with me really quick to Matthew chapter 28. And in Matthew 28 verse 1, now after the Sabbath, remember Jesus was Jewish. His followers were Jewish. You see in Matthew 28 verse 1, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, 
There was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes and his clothing as white as snow. So you see, the women see that the tomb was empty. The women were the first to see. The men were scaredy cats. Because remember, the leader of this movement i say movement but i meant when you know i meant put yourself in their sandals you know christianity you know we're 2000 years later give or a couple give or take a couple years you know we're 2000 years later and you know we we call it christianity but back in the day when you know when when jesus was his earthly ministry you know they weren't referred to as christians but when we see the early church, and historically speaking, we read the accounts in the book of Acts, they were called people of the way, the way, people who followed Jesus Christ. But when the leader of this movement is crucified, it, to, to, to follow Jesus is deadly. I mean, let's, let, we have the luxury of today. I mean, depending on where you're listening, you know, you might not have a luxury where the cost of being a Christian is deadly. You know, certain regions in the world where the persecuted churches in China, in North Korea, in Arab countries, in Russia, in uh, uh, some Asian regions, the Middle East, it's very dangerous to be a Christian. And we see the rise of Christian persecution, areas of Africa. And so, you know, sometimes you know, I teach from America, but, you know, in Western culture, we're kind of sheltered from certain persecutions. But persecution is coming. It's going to amplify even more. It's prophesied to be that way. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And sometimes when I have these conversations, you know, mostly with people in the Western world, what happens is that it's like, well, they, they, they kind of lose sight of, you know, what it's like to follow Christ under persecution because, you know, in Western cultures, you know, to follow Christ, it's, you know, you know, you might have people call you, uh, you know, oh, you're such a dummy or, you know, you're, you're an idiot or, you know, you're so stupid. And, you know, that's one thing. But in other areas of this world today, you're a Christian and you're going to get beaten. You're going to get thrown in prison. You're going to have your head chopped off. You're going to have your hands chopped off, your arms chopped off. The women are going to be raped. I mean, let's be straight up. I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, it, it, it's Resurrection Sunday and praise be to the Lord. But we have to have proper perspective here. The cost of being a Christian is very heavy in certain regions, less heavy in other regions. But it's going to get worse. It's going to amplify. That's why Jesus Christ says, count the cost. To follow Jesus, the Lord himself says, count the cost. It's not just, you know, willy-nilly, willy-nilly. He says, count the cost. And in this moment when Jesus Christ, he's crucified. And it's the women who see that the tomb is empty. The men were scaredy cats. Because the leader of the movement, the leader of the way, freshly crucified. It just happened. And the men were scaredy cats. But you have these beautiful, beautiful women. And they're there, just like we see in Matthew 28, verse 1, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. We see other Gospels, and it's not just, you know, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. It's like a group of women, hardcore, 
And so we see, you know, it, it, we continue, you know, un understanding that, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the, uh, the intricacies of what's happening. How in Matthew 28 verse 1 says, as the first day of the week began to dawn. See, the first day of the week began to dawn. We look at the Jewish calendar. Yom Rishon. Yom Rishon, which is Sunday. Now, let's look at more scriptures. Now, turn to open up your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And in Luke 23, this is now, we're going a little bit back in time. This is before, just a couple days, but, you know, before Jesus dies. But he's on the cross. So already the verses that we looked at, you know, we reference, you know, what Jesus Christ says in Matthew 12, how as, uh, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so too, or so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now we look at Matthew 28. This is when Jesus Christ was crucified. The women, beautiful women discover that the tomb is empty. But then when we look at Luke 23, and this is before Jesus dies, but he's on the cross. And this is what we see in verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him. You see, other gospels, when you, other gospels say that both, you know, Jesus Christ, he's on the cross, but there are uh, the, the two thieves or, you know, the two criminals that are with him. So there's a total of three on the cross, or three crosses, a total of three. Now, the Gospels say that both the criminals mocked Jesus. Both of them mocked Jesus. And a lot of times when you talk to non-believers, they say, you see, that's a discrepancy in the Bible. There's, a, there's so many contradictions in the Bible, which is a lie. There are no contradictions in the Bible. Whenever you hear somebody say that there's contradictions in the Bible, you know what the contradiction is? It's them. The contradiction is their life. Because it does not align with the truth of God's holy word. They are a contradiction unto themselves. And I tell you from experience, when my life was a contradiction in itself unto the Lord, because there was no alignment to the Lord and the word became flesh. I say these things from experience. It is absolutely true that the gospels say that both the thieves, both the criminals mocked Jesus Christ. It is absolutely true. But something beautiful happens. When you read the Gospels in chronological order, and you see, you know, the timing of uh, 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 the cross when all three are on the cross, and you see two are mocking Jesus Christ, one changes. One changes. changed his mind in luke 23 verse 39 then one of the criminals were hanged who were hanged blasphemed him saying if you are the christ save yourself and us you see he wants a sign if you are the christ now understand you know when we say jesus christ it's not jesus is his first name and christ is his last name is christ means messiah Jesus, the Messiah, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Messiah. 
you know, also interesting to note when the disciples, you know, not to get off topic, but, you know, the disciples, they asked Jesus Christ, what is the sign of your coming? What is the end of the, the age and what will be the sign of the, what is the sign of your coming? Now, it's true that a, 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 a wicked and perverse generation seeks after a sign, but the disciples asked them, remember, we make the distinction between a noble heart, a noble heart. Because, you know, just like the, the Pharisees, uh, when Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them, you think there is eternal life. That's what he says of the scriptures. Jesus Christ says that you search the scriptures for in them, you think there is an eter eternal life. Now, the Bereans, they search the scriptures. But now it's a matter of the heart. So what is it? Is searching the scriptures good or bad? Well, it depends on the heart. It depends on the heart. Because remember, the word of God is spiritually discerned. And so understand now, when the, the, uh, uh, we see in Luke 28, verse 39, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, blasphemed Christ, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself. And thus, he wants a sign. Now, the disciples, they asked Jesus Christ, you know, when would these things be? When Jesus Christ was teaching about the events of the last days and Jesus says there will be many messiahs, many Christs. Remember, it's Jesus, the Messiah. That's Jesus Christ. It's not Christ isn't his last name. You know, it, 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 Jesus, the Messiah. That's Jesus Christ. And so the disciples say, well, how will they know? What, what, what are the signs of your coming? How will we know? And so Jesus gives these indicators. He says there's going to be many false teachers, many false prophets, and many Christs. You see, many Christs, many Messiahs. Well, how will we know? Knowing that there's going to be many Christs, how will we know? Well, the Bible says that his word is above his name. We have to know the Bible. We have to understand the scriptures. How can we understand the scriptures? Well, number one, we have to be Bereans. We have to have noble hearts. And the Lord knows. But at the same time, where are the teachers? Where are the pastors to teach? Where are those who are called to teach the truth of God's holy word? And it's so powerful when we understand certain aspects of scripture so that we can further understand these deeper truths. Just like we have these criminals who are on the cross. Yes, it is absolutely true that both mocked Jesus Christ. All three are on the on their crosses. And both mocked Jesus Christ except one of them, one of the Thieves, one of the criminals, changes his mind. But the other one in Luke 23, verse 39 says, if you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, think about what they heard about Jesus. I mean, they were living their lives in criminal activity. Think about what they heard of Jesus Christ. People say he's the Messiah. People say he's the Messiah over here. People say he's this. People say he's a prophet. People say this. And all of a sudden, they're dying on the cross. Corporal punishment. They're dying on the cross. Both of them mock Jesus. And in the course of time, not a lot of time because they're dying. 
But in the course of time, one of them changes and the other's heart gets harder. One heart gets soft, the other heart gets hard. And he says, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. You see, he wants a sign. I'm not going to believe until I see a sign. Not good. Not good. Seeking a sign isn't good, just like we, we, we looked at earlier. But the other, the other criminal, in verse 40, but the other answering, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation. Remember, there's three who are on their own cross. And when you look at the Gospels in chronological order, there's two that are mocking Jesus. One of them changes his mind. His heart gets soft. And the other digs his heels in and his heart grows harder. And he mocks Jesus or he asks a question or he says, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. If you are the Messiah, look, the people say you're the Messiah. And if that's the case, save yourself and us. And Jesus doesn't answer. It's the other criminal who answers and says, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? Look, we're all here on our crosses. And you're under the same condemnation, and even still you do not fear the Lord? It says a lot about the fear of the Lord. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study through Leviticus. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this fear of the Lord is something that the other criminal did have. This fear of the Lord is something that was used to help soften the heart of the criminal. He continues in verse 41. And we, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. We're criminals. We're criminals. We're we're on the cross. We're dying. But we're criminals. We're, what, what are we to expect? But this man, speaking of Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. You see, there's three on their crosses. Jesus and two criminals. Both mock Jesus. Then one changes his mind. Or let's fine tune that. Let's, Say it more correctly. One changes his heart. He believes. He believes. You see, it's so simple. There's no catechism, no memorizing, no dissertions to give. No, you know, I, I, you know, I want to know if you're really a Christian. So now I want you to give a big speech to the church. You know, we just want to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. You don't see that in the Bible. You don't see catechisms in the Bible. You see belief. Belief. It's so beautiful. Belief. Let us not also forget obedience. In the case of the thief on the cross, he's dying. 
He's dying. And it's so beautiful because you have his belief and in his belief, because he didn't just change his mind, he changed his heart. Nice and soft. You see how the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing? The other criminal? No fear of the Lord. And in the absence of the fear of God, hearts become harder and harder and harder. I mean, do you really really need me to say this? Because we see it. In the absence of the fear of God, hearts become harder. We, we I mean, look around. We live in a culture where we see it. Hard hearts. But we also see soft hearts. Not a lot, but they're out there. And what's so beautiful about a soft heart is that all of a sudden something happens where it is apt to believe. But God doesn't make robots. He doesn't say, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear me, I'm going to kick the door down. I'm going to barge in and you will be my subject. That's not in the Bible. God doesn't make robots. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you. That might be you. You might be listening right here, right now. And you hear a knock at the door of your heart. And I tell you, open it. Allow Jesus into your heart. He doesn't make robots. He doesn't say, you know, you will be my subject. I'm going to kick the door down and you will be my subject. No, you have to let him in. Just like the criminal on the cross. The one with the soft heart, not the other criminal. The one with the soft heart. It's so powerful that these are criminals. You know why? I don't care about what your past is. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, alcohol, uh, you know, uh, witchcraft, you know, Buddhism, whatever it is. I don't care. Buddha, uh, the Krish, Hare Krishnas, you know, the occult, Ouija boards, you know, all kinds of sex, prostitution. That's nice. I don't care. That's yesterday. I'm talking about right here, right now. Right here, right now. Just like the criminal. On the cross, he lived this life of crime. He lived this life of crime. And in the fear of God, the valley of decision, the fork in the road. Do I believe in Jesus or do I reject Jesus? He chose wisely. Speaking to the other criminal, he says of Jesus, but this man, he's done nothing wrong. Done nothing wrong. You see? And now this criminal who now believes that Jesus is the Messiah, in verse 42, then he says, then he said to Jesus, Lord, I love this. I mean, what did he call him, you know, like before? 
oh, this guy, you know, maybe making fun of him. Oh, you know, look, he was beaten. He's got the crown and, you know, oh, yeah. Because remember, both of them were mocking Jesus. But now when he believes, Lord, that's powerful. I don't care any, whatever your past is, maybe criminal, criminal activity, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. I don't care. You say, I know nothing about Jesus. That's nice. When I came to Christ, when I believed in Jesus Christ, I knew nothing about him. Look at this criminal. He knows nothing about Jesus Christ except that he is Lord the Messiah, Son of the Most High God, Savior of the world. He knows nothing about, you know, doctrinal, you know, this and doctrinal that. He knows nothing about the Old Testament, the prophets, the minor prophets, the major prophets, Torah, the, the, the poetic verses. He knows nothing about these things except he knows that Jesus Christ, he believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And now he says, Lord, I never called Jesus Lord when I wasn't walking with him. I've heard people talk about Jesus, or I had heard people talk about Jesus, but I didn't believe that he was Lord. And that might be you. It might be you listening. I don't care about your past. But I do care about your future. I do care about your today. And he says, this criminal, Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, you see how beautiful this is? Think of all the things that this criminal who is dying, who now believes in Jesus, think about all the things that he does not know. The prophets, the minor prophets, major prophets, the Torah, he, no knowledge of it. Maybe an idea of what it is. But he doesn't know like doctrine here, doctrine there. He doesn't know. And he's dying on the cross, paying the price for his crimes. His doctrinal understandings are non-existent except for one. Belief in Jesus Christ. I mean, he doesn't even know about the afterlife in Christ because he says, Lord, I mean, like when you enter your kingdom, he says, remember me. He doesn't even know about God's promises in the afterlife. Look at what little he knows from a doctrinal perspective. Look at what very little he knows. Practically knowledgeable of nothing. 
doctrinally speaking, except for one beautiful, beautiful truth. To believe in Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, remember, this is Jesus, son of the most high God. This is Jesus, son of the most high God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, <laughs> today you will be with me in paradise. Do you know how overwhelming that statement is to the sinner? Think about how overwhelming that statement is to the thief on the cross, the criminal on the cross. What? His doctrinal understandings were so little, so minute. He believes Jesus is the Son of God. And he doesn't say, you know, like, you know, oh, because of your promises, I'm going to enter the kingdom. No, he says, Lord, when you enter the kingdom, number one, he acknowledges him as Lord. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, not, you know, I'm going to be there with you. No, he just says, remember me. He believes in Jesus. Jesus, you're going to enter your kingdom and I'm going to be down here. And, you know, Lord, just remember me. And Jesus reassures him of the promises of God that this criminal doesn't even know about. And he says, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's okay. I'm ready to die. Ready to die. Music to the ears. But this promise of God isn't reserved to this criminal only. It's extended to you. Now, you might be a believer and praise be to the Lord, but you might not be a believer. The promises are extended to you. Now, to the thief on the cross, the Lord knew, knew okay, you know, we're dying today. You don't know when you're going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. The Lord does. To the thief on the cross, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. But for you and me, we don't know the number of our days, but the Lord does. The Lord absolutely does. Choose this day whom you shall serve. Remember, there's... On each side of Jesus, there's... Two criminals. At the very beginning, both have hard hearts. 
and in the course of time, you know, it's a relatively quick time, not like, you know, weeks and months because they're on the cross. But in the course of time, nonetheless, something happens. One heart gets softer. And that might be you, my beautiful friend. Be like the criminal on the cross. Oh, how dare you compare me to a criminal? I'm not comparing your works unto a criminal. I'm comparing your heart. Nice and beautiful, soft heart. But don't forget the wages of sin is still death. The wages of sin is still death. Which means to be outside of Christ? Not good. You see? We see in verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the veil was torn. From top to bottom. This veil was the separation where the high priest would enter and it's torn now. Veil no more. Listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand more. The high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The veil was torn. In verse 46, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. He died. His death on the cross. His flesh, his earth suit expired. A little bit. Let's put a little asterisk there. His earth suit expired with an asterisk. Don't forget what he said to the criminal on the cross in verse 43 when he says, Today you, to the criminal will be with me in paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. His promises unto those who believe. Notice what happens now. Jesus Christ breathed his last in verse verse 47. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. People today say, oh, look, the Jews killed Jesus. The Jews killed Jesus. Don't forget, there was more there. The Romans were there too, both Jew and Gentile. Jesus was hated by all, rejected by all, and as a lamb to the slaughter. Passover lamb, a male without blemish to my Jewish friends. A male without blemish. Verse 48, and the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, 
beat their breasts and return. See, remember the crowd. This is the same crowd that said, crucify him. Remember, you know, when, when, when Pontius Pilate, you know, here I have a Barabbas and here I have Jesus. Who do you want? They say, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas, exclamation point. But he's your king. We have no king but Caesar. See, both Jew and Gentile. In verse 49, but all his acquaintances. These are those who walked with Jesus, but all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. You see, it's one thing to walk with Jesus. But what about to walk with Jesus when it will cost you your friends? What about to walk with Jesus when it'll cost you your family? What about to walk with Jesus when it will cost you your life? Remember, Jesus says, count the cost. In verse 50, now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to do their decision and deed. So the people, they were all in cahoots. The people, both Jew and Gentile, crucify him, crucify him. People say, oh, look, the Jews crucified Jesus. Don't forget the Roman cross. Don't forget the Roman spear. Both Jew and Gentile. And this Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, in verse 51, he had not consented to their decision. Indeed, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. So you see, Joseph had a Good understanding of the scriptures and prophecies. He had a good teacher. In verse 52, this man went to Pilate. So you see he has some clout. This Joseph fellow. He had some clout. I mean, he just goes to Pilate. In the book of John, it says that this was done in fear because of the religious leaders. Don't forget, Jesus Christ is... He just died. He was just crucified. He was just killed. And there was great fear that spread among his followers. Well, if they, if they, if they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to us? If they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to me? If they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to my family? There was great fear. And so when you read the, the book of John and you read this account, it was done at nighttime. Great fear from the religious leaders and of the religious leaders and of the hand of Rome. Both Jew and Gentile. In verse 52, we see this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down. Now, also in the book of John, says that Nicodemus was there too. A Pharisee who believed in Jesus. 
but it's done at the nighttime. In verse 53, then he took it down, speaking of the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women, the women, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful women, warriors, And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now, at this moment, it's very dangerous at this particular moment in time 2000 years ago give or take a couple years it's very 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 dangerous it's a very dangerous time to be a follower of jesus very dangerous deadly deadly you're identified as a follower of jesus oh you know look, look what they did to jesus that might happen to you the men afraid joseph nicodemus they it's the cover of night the men afraid hiding behind locked doors and under the cover of night but not the women not the women beautiful beautiful women now when i say beautiful women it's not carnal Remember, you know, just like we studied in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you know, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. When I say beautiful women, I'm not speaking carnally. If if you were to say, you know, hey, who are you, the, the five most beautiful women that you know? And I want to say, you know, here are the five most beautiful women ever. Every single one of you would think I was blind. I'm not speaking about a beauty that is according to the flesh, but rather of the spirit. Look at these beautiful women. When the men were scaredy cats, you say, well, Joseph wasn't a scaredy cat. Uh, Nicodemus wasn't a scaredy cat. They're doing their work at night. But the women? Beautiful. Hardcore. Warriors. Cover of night, you know, hiding indoors. That's nice. It's noontime it's daytime you want to see me i I believe in jesus christ i'm going to the tomb you want to kill me that's nice i'm going to the tomb that's how hardcore these beautiful women were take my life you want to hang me on the cross too take it look i live for christ my life is for christ you want to take my life that's nice where were the men afraid but not the women. 
Now, understand that the women, they had a certain time frame of preparation because, you know, we look at verse 56 that they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils that, that they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. And there's a certain time frame of preparation in order to observe the Sabbath in accordance to the law. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape or form. Listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand more about the covenants, the covenants. Old covenant, new covenant. I'm not advocating the law. Listen to our study through Galatians. Remember, remember that regarding faith, it's to the Jew first. You see, to the Jew first. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form, but scripture must be understood in its proper order. Again, I say unto you, listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand more. To the Jew first. The door of grace then opened to the Gentiles. And today it is still open. But the Bible says that the door of grace will not be open forever. You hear, you hear my urging for you to believe in Jesus Christ. And you figure, well, you know, it's nice. I'll do it tomorrow. No. Let today be the day of salvation. Don't do it tomorrow. Right here, right now, the door of grace won't be open forever. People get mad at me all the time. They're like, well, don't scare people to heaven. Don't scare people. Don't, 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 don't tell people this. Don't tell people that. Don't tell them about judgment. Don't talk about hell. Don't, don't tell. Just love people to Jesus. Well, very, very lovingly, I say to you, repent. Repent, repent, repent. As lovingly as I possibly can, can. Repent, repent, repent. Oh, don't tell people about, don't tell them about hell. Don't tell them about the lake of fire. Don't forget that, the, you know, when we look at the truth of God's holy word, the Bible says that God so loved the world. That whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes in Jesus Christ shall be saved. But saved from what? Saved from what? It's not to believe in Jesus Christ so we can all, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. To believe in Jesus Christ for the salvation of our souls, for your soul. My soul, to be with him in paradise. You see, this door of grace, it's not going to be open forever. Judgment is coming. Jesus Christ says the last days will be like the days of Noah. The days of Noah. Think about how crazy Noah must have been. Think about how crazy Noah must have been. I mean, here he is building a boat. The ark. Not a little boat, a big boat. He's building a big boat. The blueprints, the Lord gave him the blueprints, exactly how to build it, the material, what to use, how to do it, the dimensions. The Lord gave him the blueprints, and there he is building it. 
His family is helping him and there he is building it. Think about all the passers-by. Noah, what are you doing? Why are you building a boat over here, Noah? The ocean's way over there. Why are you building a boat over here, Noah, when the water is, you're, you're not even close to the water? It'd be one thing if you were building a little tiny boat because, you know, you could put it on your, put it on your back, but, you know, like a crew, take it on the back and walk it to the water. But you're building a boat like this big? You're building it here in the middle of nowhere? Noah, you're so stupid. You're such a fool. Don't forget the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. Noah would tell all the passers-by, believe in God. Believe in God. And they mocked him. Oh, you're so stupid, Noah. You're such a fool. Come on, let's go get drunk, Noah. Come on, don't you want to party with us? And don't you want to be the cool guys, the cool people? No, I'm just, I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. Instead of you going after the bars, instead of you going after the casinos, instead of you going to the strip clubs, instead of you doing this and, you know, doing the occult, instead of you go doing your Ouija boards, instead of you go, why don't you come hang out with me and I'll tell you more about the Lord and how good he is. Nah, 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 nah. You're just so stupid, Noah. Look, you're the, the water's way over there and you're doing it right here. This big old boat, you can't even carry it. You're so stupid, Noah. And day after day after day after day, that's how it was. And the ark was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and construction all in accordance to the blueprints. Picture the guys in the bar. Did you see that, Noah? Man, you know, he thinks he's so cool. He thinks he's so awesome. He's the biggest dummy. That big boat, what's it doing there? There's no water over here. What a dummy. And they're just talking, drinking it up, having a, a good old time. And everything's fine and dandy. And then the rains come. And then the rains come. You see, by then it was too late because the Lord had shut the door of the ark. The Lord had shut the door. The opportunity to enter was over. The rains come. Oh, Noah, you're so stupid. Yeah, we just got a little rain, a little climate change. So we get a little climate change over here. No big deal, Noah. You're so stupid. You're, they're yelling at Noah. Noah, you're still stupid. You're still dumb, Noah. And all of a sudden, the rains are like, you know, ankle deep. Now the jokes start to change. Well, you know, what, what if Noah was right, you know, and, you know, they, you know the, 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 the boat was actually for a purpose. Ha, ha, ha. Let's forget that. Let's go back to the strippers. Let's go back to the prostitutes. Let's go back to the alcohol and the crack. And let's go back to our Ouija boards and let's go do all these things. Noah was still so stupid. And then all of a sudden, the water's knee deep. Think about the people that started to question Maybe Noah was onto something. Noah wasn't onto something. He was obedient to the Lord. He believed the Lord. And it was, and he was obedient to the Lord and it was accounted, 
he was, it was accounted unto him for righteousness sake. This is pre-law. Don't forget we're pre-law now. And then all of a sudden the water is waist deep. I mean, if you're short, you're, it's like neck deep. Now, now it's got your attention. Okay, you know, okay, Noah, this isn't funny anymore. This isn't funny anymore, Noah, you know. I didn't mean to make fun of you, Noah. Look, my house is flooded, you know, everything's ruined, everything's destroyed, all these things. I turn on the news, they say climate change this, climate change that, and, you know, they're blaming this, they're blaming global warming and all these things. And, you know, all the wise guys of our days, they have their answer for everything. But I don't know, this water, it's it's getting pretty tough to move around. And then all of a sudden, it's neck deep. Now you have to swim to stay alive. I mean, swimming is one thing. But eventually, you're going to get tired. And when you get tired and you can no longer paddle, you're going to sink. And if you sink, no oxygen, you're going to die. No more mocking Noah. No more making fun of Noah. Now who's the fool? You see, when on one side of events, Noah's the fool, seemingly the fool. And he's just obeying the Lord. He believes in the Lord. It's accounted to him for righteousness. The Lord has given him blueprints and he's obeying what the Lord says, tells him to do. On one side, Noah looks like the fool. On the other side, Noah is not the fool. And I say these, I say these things not to be abrasive, but we have to understand the truth of God's holy word. And I say this as a former fool. I used to make fun of Christians. All the time I used to make fun of Christians. I don't anymore. Not all of them, you know, sometimes, you know, false teachers stay away from false teachers. But real Christians, people of the way, who follow Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, the one whose word is above his name. Remember, there's going to be false Christ, false Messiah. That's what Jesus says. There's going to be false Christ in the last days. We have to have things in proper perspective. Just as the door was open in the ark and the Lord sealed the door, it was closed. The same thing will happen in the last days. The door of grace will not be open forever. It is open now. Which is why I say unto you, get in. Get in. You say, wait a second, I like the sex, I like the drugs, I like the rock and roll, I like this, I like that. And I tell you these things from experience. Deny those things. 
I used to be bummed out, like, oh, I'm going to be a Christian, and that means I can't party no more, I can't drink, no more sex, no more alcohol, no more rock and roll, no more this, and I used to be bummed out. I tell you these things from experience. And what the Lord takes away, he gives even more. The joy of the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit of the Lord. Which far exceeds any semblance of joy that the world has to offer. And I tell you from experience. Get in the ark. And when I say get in the ark, believe in Jesus Christ. He is the ark of our time. You see? This door of grace won't be open forever. You see, Scripture, the truth of the Word of God, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, Scripture is our ultimate authority. It is you and me who must align ourselves to truth. It's not the other way around. It's not, well, you know, I I think the Bible would, you know, I think God would allow this. I think God would permit this. No, what does the Bible say? Well, I like this part of the Bible, but I don't like this. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to throw this out. No, it doesn't work that way. That's not you and me aligning ourselves to the Bible. That's you and me cherry picking. We don't do that. It's you and me who yield to the truth of God's holy word. I mean, I made my choice. I can't make the choice for you, but you have to make your choice. So wait a second. It's it's Resurrection Sunday. We're supposed to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We are. But understand that Good Friday should really be Good Thursday. Now, you might have a good teacher and know this already, but many Christians are unaware. And if that's you, it's okay. It's okay. Because what is happening, what is being exposed is that that whoever you call teacher or pastor or priest or whoever... Whatever you acknowledge as your teacher or your source of information, if you're like, you know, you, you celebrate, oh, you know, it, it, it's Good Friday, it's Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And if you don't see it as Good Thursday, what the Bible says, remember, three days, three nights. Good Friday only has Two nights. What's being exposed is that the person that you acknowledge as your teacher is scripturally and doctrinally in error. You say, ah, it's no big deal. It's just a simple day of the week. Understandable. I get it. It's completely understandable. Ah, Good Friday, Good Thursday, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. I get it. Understandable. But. But. What if there are more errors? What if there are more errors to your teacher, to your pastor, to your priest, to your church, to your religious system? 
What if there are more errors? How will you know? You see, now you have to make a choice. Balls in your court? I'm calling you out. Now, I say that, not, you know, not, not I'm picking a fight with you. You know, put up your dukes. I'm calling you out. No, nothing like that. I'm calling you out in a good way, a better way. It's a way that says, let's you and me align to the truth of scripture. And let's you and me journey together to paradise. You see, Jesus says to the criminal on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That's because they died that day. Today you will be with me in paradise. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know when you're going to die. And you don't know when you're going to die. But in Christ, there are certain promises of scripture that are effectuated in Christ. Good promises. I'm calling you out straight up. Not not to fight, not to put up your dukes. Not like that. But I'm still calling you out. Let us walk together. And let us walk together to paradise. Regarding the resurrection on this beautiful resurrection day, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or the first fruits of those who have died. Remember, Jesus Christ breathed his last and Jesus Christ is risen from the dead as is written here in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. He is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. Now he's like, what's first fruits? You know, this is like, you know, uh, we live in a culture today where people don't, you know, he's like, first fruits, what's first fruits? I'll give you an example. Say you have three kids. You have three kids. Your firstborn is your first fruits. But you have three kids. So the other two, they're going to follow. That's first fruits. And regarding the resurrection, Jesus is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. See, in the case of Jesus, he breathed his last. And as the Bible says, it is appointed for man to die once and then judgment. You see, you and me, we're going to die. We're going to die. These, these vessels that we're in, these earth suits, they will perish. They will fade. They don't last forever. Some live to, you know, a hundred. Some live well over a hundred. Some live 90. Some live 80. Some live 60 years, 50 years. Some live 10 years. But it's appointed to die once.
But there is a promise of the resurrection. Promises of the Lord that are effectuated in Christ. And to be in Christ, you and me together, we have to abide in Christ. And abiding in Christ, promises of God are now effectuated outside of Christ. Certain promises don't apply. Other promises do apply. Not good. Not good. A hard heart. A heart of stone, not good. A heart of nice, beautiful, soft, jello, beautiful. It's called the circumcision. Circumcision, not of the flesh. A circumcision of the heart. A nice, beautiful, soft heart. In Christ, if you're listening and you're female, in Christ is the only way you can be circumcised. Beautiful females, you can be circumcised. It's not a circumcision of the flesh. It's a circumcision of the heart. And that comes through belief in Jesus Christ. We see in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and because has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, this is reference to Adam. Adam, you know the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve? And this is reference to Adam for since by man came death. Notice the by man, you know, I read from a New King James Version, and you know, uh, uh, by man, the, the M in man is lowercase. You might have a different Bible. You, you might be listening without a Bible. Don't forget, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we see in verse 21, for since by man came death, reference to Adam, by man, notice the capital M, depending on your translation, but capital M, by man, speaking of Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. Whoa, very interesting. For as in Adam all die, remember the two criminals? The two criminals on the cross, now, both were hung on the cross and both of them were in Adam. But through belief in Jesus, one left Adam and was now in Christ and who is now in paradise. Paradise for him. You see, the promises of God effectuated through belief in Jesus Christ. We see here in verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. See, the Lord knows the number of our days. He knows the number of your days. He knows the number of my days. Sometimes I have these conversations with people who are suicidal. Oh, I want to take my life. I want to take my life. I can't stand it here on this earth. Listen, I can't stand it here either. We're just passing by. I can't stand it here either. But the Lord is the one who knows the number of our days. God has a plan for your life. You want to check out? I mean, I can't wait to be in paradise. 
But the Lord knows the number of our days. He has a plan for your life. See? And it's beautiful. You might be in a situation where you made a mess of your life. And I tell you from experience, I made a mess of my life too. And had I cut it short, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say these things to you. I wouldn't be able to speak these things to you had I cut it short. So when I say God has a plan for your life, I say it from experience. If you're listening and these very words resonate in your heart, you're on the receiving end of this plan. Now, this plan of the Lord, it's for you. It's for you. He has a plan for your life. But the question is, are you in Christ or are you in Adam? You're in Adam, not good. Get in the ark. Come aboard. We got plenty of room. Come aboard. Each one in his own order, he says in verse 23, Christ, the first fruits. Understand, there's more. Just like the example we gave, you know, of a firstborn. And then, you know, you got three kids. And, you know, you have your firstborn. But then, you know, that's the first fruits. But then there's more. Same exact concept. Same exact reality. Each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Remember, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. He says here in verse 23, afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Remember, we when we started this brief study, remember the men of Nineveh? When Jesus spoke of a future resurrection, and that's what we see here in verse 23. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Jesus will absolutely return. 100%. As surely as the Lord lives, Jesus will return. Now, if you're listening for the first time and you haven't gone through our prior studies, listen to our study through 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. You'll understand more. And then also listen to some other studies. One of them is called Jacob's Trouble, Biblically Explained. The other is called When is the Rapture? The other is called Do Not Take the Mark of the Beast. Very important because we are living in the last days. We are living in the last days this door of mercy and grace, it is open right now, but is not going to be open forever. It is going to close. And just as the days of Noah, the door was open, but not forever. The door closed. You see? And if you're on the outside, just as the days of Noah, there is death. Straight up. I don't want that for you. And you know what's so beautiful? God, your Father in heaven doesn't want that for you. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember, the Bible says God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world. But that the world through him, through Jesus, might be 
saved. See? Ball's in your court. Remember, I'm calling you out. Not in a bad way, in the good way. Is to say, believe in Jesus. I meant all those things of the world I've been strung out on. I tell you these things from experience. The sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol, the whole nine yards. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it is the path of destruction. It is the path of death. I mean, you see the commercials, you know, people are at a party laughing. They got a beer bottle in their hand. They're laughing. They're drinking this and everything's fine and dandy. But you'll never see commercials of a person who's dying of liver disease. On their deathbed, you know, you know, that very day they're gonna die and their body looks all shriveled up because their liver's just shot and, you know, they're dying because of liver disease for a, from a lifetime of drinking hard liquor and alcohol. You won't see commercials about that. You'll see the commercials about, oh, come on, let's party, you know, take a load off, you know, have a nice smile on your face. Here, drink this, drink this, take that. And that's what Satan does. Because Satan doesn't want you to believe. He knows the Bible. He knows the Bible. Remember, the Bible says we're created in God's image. That's why people today, they want to change their image. Satan hates God. Oh, I was born like this and I want to change it. I was born this way and I want to change it. Because they're born in the image of God. Satan doesn't like that, so he wants people to change. You see? Don't forget, God's not done. In our mother's womb, in your mother's womb, God formed you. He put the little muscles together. He put the bones together, the sinews, all these little bit, little eye over here, little eye over there, little nose over here. Nice little ear over here. Nice little ear over there. Put your little toes together. Little tickle, tickle. All in your mother's womb. And then you're born. You come out of your mother's womb. And you're born into Adam. You're born into sin. It's not your fault. It's Adam's fault. But you're still born into sin. But Jesus Christ speaks of another birth. It's called being born again. These are things that Nicodemus questioned. And when you read John chapter 3, these are things that Nicodemus believed as a Pharisee. What do you mean born again? And Jesus was kind of mad at him. You, know, you, you, you call yourself a teacher and you don't know these things? You're supposed to teach and, and, and you don't understand Nicodemus? And Nicodemus was like, how how can a grown man and go back in the mother's womb? It's impossible. But Jesus Christ wasn't speaking according to the flesh. He was speaking according to the spirit. Born again, just like the thief on the cross. He believes in Jesus Christ and he's born again. And the same can happen with you. Born of your mother's womb, born into Adam, born into the sin. 
You might be 10 years old and you believe. You might be 20 years old and you believe. You might be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. I don't care about the age, but you believe today is your birthday. Belief in Jesus Christ, born again, not of the flesh. That was done when you were a little tiny baby, born of the spirit. And you know what Jesus does? Just as he formed you in your mother's womb, he continues to form you. But now it's a work of faith. He continues to grow you. And that's what happens when you and me together, when we grow deeper and deeper and deeper in our love relationship with Jesus Christ, our faith continues to grow and we mature in Christ. Born again, not of the flesh, that's done. Born of the Spirit. You see? Born again. It's belief in Jesus Christ. New birth. In Isaiah chapter 9. Open your Bible. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. A lot of times people people read this for Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But to whom is the son received? A greater question. I've received the son. I pray you've received the son. You might be in Christ and you've received the son. But what if you're not in Christ? Be born again. Believe in Jesus, Son of the Most High God. God sent His Son into the world not, not, not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him, through Jesus, might be saved. He is the ark of our day. The door is still open. Get inside. Come aboard. I can't make the choice for you. I can only make the choice for myself. And I've made the choice. And I'm telling you, get inside. We got plenty of room. We got plenty of room. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. You see, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, he was born. Unto us a son is given. He lived his earthly life, and he died and his life was given as a sacrifice, recompense for sin. But there's something still pending in Isaiah 6, Isaiah 9, verse 6. There's something still pending. It says the government will be upon his shoulder. That is pending. That hasn't happened yet. Now, when you believe, you're no longer governed by yourself and your own notions, your own desires. You're no longer governed. So in a very personal sense, just like with Jacob, remember, if you've been walking with us for a while in our study in the Old Testament with Jacob, And how many times did Jacob refer to God as, you know, the God of my father, the God of my father, the God of my father. But then he wrestled with God. And after the wrestling match, and the Lord messed him up. After the wrestling match, the Lord says, I no longer call you Jacob, I call you Israel. You know what that name means? Governed by God. 
And from that point, Jacob never says, the God of my father, the God of my father. You know what he says? He says, my God. See, God became personal. My God. And when you believe in Jesus Christ and you're born again, not of the flesh, that's, that's the first birth, born into Adam, born into sin. There's a second birth, which is to be born again. And you and me together, we obey Jesus Christ. Where in the old nature, we might have lived according to whatever we wanted. Oh, I want to get drunk. Okay, I'm going to get drunk. Oh, I want to get high. Okay, I'm going to get high. Okay, I'm going to get baked. I'm going to get baked. I'm going to do the Buddha. Okay, whatever it is. But it's a different ballgame when you're governed by God. When you obey Jesus Christ, because all of a sudden it's like, wow, I don't even want Buddha anymore. I don't even want the sex anymore. I don't even want the alcohol anymore. I don't even want the crack anymore. Cooking spoons, no more. Lines, no more. Those days are over. That's Adam. The desire is gone. Why? Because the Lord is continuing to do his work inside of you, inside of me, but it's a work of faith. Walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, walking according to the Spirit. And to obey Jesus Christ, we become governed by God, but even still there is a pending aspect of Isaiah 9 verse 6 and the government will be upon his shoulder today. Many people decry one world order. I do too. As government and leaders coalesce in these last days, Ultimately, coalescing behind a specific leader that the Bible refers to as the Antichrist. Understand that all of Scripture will be fulfilled. The king will return. The real king. King of kings and Lord of lords. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God. He will return. And prophecy will be fulfilled and government will will absolutely be on his shoulder. And thus fulfilling Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, done. Unto us a son is given, done. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Not done now, but done later. Prophecy is already being fulfilled. Look around. Look around. You don't need me to tell you this. We see it with our own eyes. Love is waxing cold. Look at all the ethnic divisions that we see. What the Bible says is ethnos against ethnos. Certain countries in the Middle East that are expanding in alliance with regions that are prophesied for the last days. And I speak of Magog. And at the same time, the Euphrates River is drying. Is this all coincidence? There are pastors today, so-called pastors, There are people, pastors today in pulpits, who say that prophecy is a distraction. They say prophecy is a distraction. That people who 
study prophecy that they are not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, my question to you is this. By what spirit will they say such a thing? By what spirit do they say such a thing? By what spirit would they even utter such a thing? It's a spirit of Satan. The Holy Spirit says otherwise. These are things that are said by pastors. How will you know? How will you know if a pastor is what the Bible says is a pastor? Or how will you know if a pastor is what the Bible says is a wolf? Or how will you know if a pastor is what the Bible refers to as a hireling? How will you know? We must be Bereans with noble hearts. We must be Bereans. And then you'll know. To know the scriptures, to understand the scriptures, to search the scriptures with noble hearts. Remember, Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them you think there is eternal life. Now, there absolutely is eternal life, but Jesus knows the heart. Just like he says to the criminal, today you will be with me in paradise because he knows the heart. Nice, beautiful, soft, jello-like heart. You see? The Euphrates River today is drying for such a time as this. Prophecy is being fulfilled. The Bible says that the river dries to make way for an attack on Israel for the battle of Armageddon in the last days with the kings of the east. And never forget that Jesus says, I tell you these things before they happen, so that when they happen, you might believe. I'll say that again. Just quoting Jesus. I'm just the messenger. I tell you these things before they happen, so that when they happen... You might believe. Balls in your court. God doesn't make robots. Look around. We see these things happening. You might find your hope and solace in a in a bottle on a spoon. In a person. And I tell you from experience. The only peace and the rest and the joy. That surpasses everything. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Son of the most high God. Who will return. Remember God so loves the world. Let's boil this down. God so loves you, my friend, my beautiful, beautiful friend. God so loves you. He sent his son into the world not to condemn you, my beautiful friend, but that you, 
through him and in him might be saved. You see, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, understand that he absolutely is risen. He is risen. The tomb of Jesus is empty and we rejoice. But understand that your tomb can be empty as well. For such a time as this, my beautiful friend, believe in Jesus. For such a time as this, walk with Jesus. And for such a time as this, live for Jesus. I'm going to call you out once again. Right here, right now. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you and you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, at the end of this message, listen to another message. It's called How to Commit Your Life to Jesus Christ. And you listen and you follow. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And if you're listening and you're like, okay, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, but you're wishy-washy as I once was, lukewarm. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. I love you, Lord, but I also like my crack. I love you, Jesus, but I also like, you know, my sex and my alcohol. But I love you, Jesus. No. It's to do away with all those things. Be hardcore. There's no other way to live. We're in the last days and the days of deception are not just here. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Look how hardcore those beautiful women were. When all the men were scaredy cats, you know, like I might get captured. They might kill me. They might put me on the cross. They might. And the, the women were just like, look, it's daytime. I don't care. Here am I. Here am I. You want to crucify me? Go for it. I'm sold out for Jesus Christ. Look how hardcore those beautiful warrior women were. You see? And I'm calling you out. Believe in Jesus while he may be found because the Bible prophecies uh, prophesies about a famine of the word of God. And it's going to get worse. You listen to the message how to commit your life to Christ. And you do exactly that. You commit your life to Jesus. Or if you lukewarm, you recommit your life to Jesus Christ and no more games. Don't play, don't play any games with him anymore. And then I'm going to challenge you again to listen to more studies. First Corinthians and all the way to second Thessalonians and listen to those studies. Why? So that together, we can grow and mature in Christ. It will help you in your growth in Christ. Remember, the Lord's not done with you. You're born again. You believe in Jesus Christ. The Lord's not done. He goes back to work and he starts building the the muscles of faith, the sinews of faith. You see? That's how it works.
and as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, His tomb is empty, but remember that yours can be too. He is risen. He is risen indeed. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.